Have you ever tried to change, but it felt impossible because everyone kept reminding you of who you used to be? Because that's how they'd always seen you, like your new self was trapped in your old skin. What happens then? Do you move somewhere else? Do you make new friends so you can be seen in a new light? Or do you crawl back into your old self? And what if there's a whole neighborhood that sees you in a certain way, but you can't move away? Do you try to convince them all that you're now changed? This story started somewhere else over a year ago. Our reporter, Lars Overland, was doing a documentary for Norwegian Broadcasting about a theater program in Paulsmoor Prison that rehabilitates former gang members. Paulsmoor is one of the most feared prisons in South Africa. Listen to these recordings from inside the prison with one of the program's participants explaining what she's afraid of when she's eventually released from prison. We've got fear of rejection, being ostracized by the community of, of what you did and where you know it, as we, we, are, we are usually called as jailbirds and stuff like that, but that don't define us. But as much as now, we must, you must get to know yourself as a person. And if you know who you are and your purpose, your purpose in life, then you won't be demolished by those people. And that is what you find on the inside of one of the worst prisons in the world. The prisoners we hear from are afraid of you, me, the neighborhood, and how people will receive them on the outside. This story is not about the woman you've just heard, but about Bowie the poet, who had to face the same fears. He had just been let out of Paulsmore Prison after 11 years, and was trying to make it back into society from his mother's home on the Cape Flats, an area in Cape Town. Bowie always showed up for rehearsals, walking fast, with his fists tightened, body leaning forwards, as if he himself had become a knot. He didn't say much, but under his arm, he always carried a book a book full of his own poems. Bowie is now back in prison, but this is his story. Let's begin with the introduction poem in the book he always carries under his arm. Yeah, the introduction goes like this. A word from the poet. I am proud that I was in prison. Don't get me wrong. I'm not proud of how I came to prison. Yet still, I had to come. I had to go through all the hardships, all the fights, all the backstabbing, and all the pain of embarrassment. Prison has taught me a lot. There is one thing that stands above the rest. Prison does not want you in prison. 
Prison treats you with the boss. You can always count on prison to give you the cold shoulder. Prison shows you from the very first moment that you enter its walls. It does not want you there. You are not welcome in prison. Prison and a mother has one thing in common. It will do everything in their power to keep you out of prison. Still, we do everything in our power to keep on coming in. Prison is a bitch and I will never be in love with her. Prison is a very screwed up way of showing you. You are so much more than just an inhabitant of a jail cell. This might sound strange or even stupid, but prison made me the man I am today. It did not kill me. It made me stronger. It awakened within me a passion for life so strong. I cannot contain myself. Prison has changed me. It made me a man I thought I could never be. Fact of the matter is this prison made me. Thank you, Mr. or Mrs. Prison, or who, or whatever you are. Thank you for not wanting to share your emptiness with me. Thank you for not giving me enough food. Thank you for the many cold showers. Thank you for taking me away from everything I loved. Wow, Prison, I can't thank you enough. Above all, I need to tell you this. Excuse me, Mother. Fuck you, Prison. I'm never coming back. Take this journey with me. I hope you are inspired. I hope you understand that I'm really sorry. I hope you understand all of us needs healing. Some of us need it more than another. I read my poems, digest it carefully, and please, all your comments are welcome, negative or positive. Yours, poet, Antero Bowie. Bowie folds his book of poems and leans backwards in his mother's chair. That's what my introduction is going to be like. He wears a hint of a smile on his face, but won't allow it to really come out. His eyes, however, shows that he is proud. Maybe because he knows that one of the few things he has to hold on to, his own words between the black binders of his notebook, is worth something and can't be taken away. But the clouded happiness in his face is replaced by heavy wrinkles in his forehead when I ask him about his neighborhood. Can you explain to me how you think they see you? Well, what I can say is that each time I get out of my mother's house, people, is enough to wait man to make me go back to prison. If I wasn't the strong person that I am, if I didn't have the support of my mother, my aunt and my other family, if I didn't have their support, I would give them a reason not to like me. You understand? I would give them a reason to give me the disgusted looks. I would give them a reason to every time that whispering when I pass and all of that. I was the type of person in the past that, just like that, I would snap, understand? And I would actually give you something to hate me about, understand? If you walk out of the house and you can feel people looking at you at a certain way and you can he- hear people talking after you pass them, first of all, what do you imagine them saying? Man, there he goes again. Says he's on his way to Cape Town, going to England, guys, and... Like doing this poetry stuff and doing this theater drama stuff and all of that. Just walking with this file that he has in this book of poetry. Like, is it actually this? Now, why did Bowie end up back in prison again? What I know is that there is one simple and one complicated answer to that question. But right now, Bowie wants to go for a ride in his neighborhood. It's a warm day and the streets are lively, full of people and especially kids strolling loudly by the car windows. 
where we are going, I don't know at this point. At first it seems like Bowie just wants to show me some random places. We are the first left and it's actually the second house from the corner where we're gonna take the left now. In the but what I soon realize is that these places are of importance to Bowie. They are like small pieces of a puzzle, which when you put them together, says a lot about why he's back in prison again. He's just disguised in you ever since his childhood. And because of that, he was brutally shot and killed. An innocent man. The neighborhood is called Belar, extension 13. It's in Cape Flats. If you are from Cape Town, you have heard a thing or two about Cape Flats. It seems so peaceful and normal now, but like in a split second time, things can just, this is chaos can erupt here. But unless you live here, you have probably never really been here. And that isn't necessarily weird. After all, there are parts of Cape Flats where the police don't want to leave their cars, like Bowie's neighborhood. If you're not from Cape Town or South Africa for that matter, it's a little difficult to understand the flats. But let me try to give you a very brief understanding through the history of District 6. A lively neighborhood where many colored craftsmen lived from their trades in the center of Cape Town. But as the white neighborhoods grew into District 6, the government chose to tear some of the buildings down. The colored families who had lived together in the neighborhood were shipped to Cape Flats outside the city center on the back of trucks, separated further, not only from white people, but from themselves, families, friends and neighbors. The white government even dug trenches and sent water through them to create a separation in nature and made restrictions to travel into the city center. The young man who had even worse views of getting jobs was left with a single defense mechanism to build togetherness of what they had left. And uh, between the blurred flats, built by apartheid on fine-grained sand, the violent gangs flourished. Like the 28s, which Bowie joined when he was a young boy in school. Being a gang member was something he was good at. Excelled in. So he worked his way up through the ranks and in the end, it's what led him to prison. We can go to the yes. So, um, this maybe sound like a little bit of a stupid question, mm. but can you, like, can you tell who is gangsters or not? I can't tell, yeah. How, how do you tell? I just, okay, it's pretty easy the way that guy is standing there across the road, which we're seeing right now. You can go right here, left. Yeah. You go left here, can go left here. Because, can you describe how he's standing? The way he's standing, like, him. I don't ever care in the world. His facial expression is everything. The way that he doesn't even know me, he doesn't know you, but we can go right here. But he's still waving like a person who's known us for years. In the sense of, they just have this attitude that, I need to be known. I need to be known. How can you not acknowledge me? I need to be acknowledged. Understand? They are that type of persona. Understand? They are the guys. But, I mean, I asked you, how can you tell a gangster from a not gangster and the first person in front of us is a gangster? Exactly. Straight. Like a certain code, secret understanding that we have as a people, understand? The way you look at a person, 
you understand the way you react, the way your body language and everything, you're right here, yeah? your body language, everything you understand. It's, I've been in prison, you understand, and you've learned, you can, you can go right here. Understand? You learn how to see people, you understand, you learn how to read body language, sign language, and all of that stuff, you understand. So it's difficult to explain, understand. But like I said, in the way a person stands, understand the way his facial expression and all of that stuff. Bowie doesn't really leave his mother's house because of the way the neighbors see him, except from one place. The first stop Bowie wants us to make, a braai in a backyard where his friend Samantha gathers people every Sunday. A cool oasis in the neighborhood where Bowie can relax and doesn't have to worry about other people's views on him. The backyard is on a corner, separated from the streets with a short brick wall, a fireplace in the middle and people hanging around with bears in their hand. It's not only Bowie's oasis. Everyone seems to be here to catch a break from everyday life. So this is one of the few places I come to whenever I seek guidance, seek advice or anything like that, you understand? I always always open for me, my husband's always open. These big guys that are standing here, I can always ask them if I'm confused with something or don't understand something, don't know how to react to something, they will always show me the right way. That's why I always come to these people. And that's why I brought you here today. You can, I can introduce some of them to you. This is Samantha, yeah? Anything to say to Samantha? Hey, Samantha. Hi. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Yourself? I'm good, but first of all, you have to explain to me what hangover drinks is. No, just when you drink a lot on a Sunday, the Monday morning, oh, then it's Monday. It's okay. Monday, really. But you must have a dope again, just to come right. <laughs> I see, I see. That's a lovely bra you have got going there. You can see the fat dripping from the chicken, huh? Yeah. Yes, he's still telling you the truth. Because always when he's wrong, he come and say, I'm going to you, what's the problem? And I'm always there to tell him, no, that's the wrong way. You go the right way, leave, leave those friends alone, because they don't benefit for you. You keep it your way, and you will be in the safe side. Um, what's your biggest advice for, for him? Just to get a job and be a good person. Getting a job, eh? That's that's not easy when you've been to prison. No, no, I know it, I know it. But of course, but any job you go in now, they ask you, where's your accommodation? What are you doing? Where were you? And even they see you as in jail, they say, no, there's no work for you. They even ask you where you live? Yeah. And you know, this is a rough area. But we just keep it cool on ourselves. Don't worry about gangsters, don't smoke drugs, nothing like that, only drink our beer. It's all I can say. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm fine. Is this your bra? No, 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 I always come here on a Sunday to relax, you know, and then, um, like I said, uh, I know these people quite a long time now, so I just relax here. Yeah. I feel good when I come here. You feel good when uh, you come here? No problems here, yeah. I enjoy myself. No arguments or anything, you know. Just when I finish, I get into the truck, I go home, and the next day is just normal, you know? You, have, you, you must work on your J-O-B to survive here in this world. If you don't work in this place, uh, 
especially in this place here in Bialha, if you don't work, you might go to some differences. You might, you know, poverty is very, it's very, very high here. You might do different things. Yeah, you get different people here. It might pull you in, give you some bucks to go kill somebody, or to push drugs. That happens a lot here. This is a very awkward place. It does look good today, but sometimes oh, not very good at all. Awkward, you say. Can can you explain that to me? What do you mean by that? Um, what I mean is the gangsterism in this place is very high. It's like, that you won't believe it. I don't know if you have any specs of this place here. If you can Google the law, you will see how many people were killed here. And it's all youngsters. So even like him, I don't know him that long, but he's respectable. I know his history, yeah, that I've knew about other people. So if he wanted to go that way again, he can. There's a lot of people that will pull him in. Even I have a son too that did something wrong, but I'm trying to work on it, you see? Because if they don't go to school here, they pull you in. There's big guys here in these places. They control everything. And they pull our youngsters from 15 years old, don't go to school anymore. And tomorrow here, they kill this person, that person, that person. Even, he knows his son too. Was in jail now, also, he's out trying to help him still, in a, in a way, but he doesn't want to listen sometimes. But they must work on it. You see, sir, that is the most important thing here. If you don't help the other person here, I, if I, I, I'm a construction, a junior project manager. I try sometimes to give people work for 150 a day, yeah? to dig trenches, to get the people off the street. You see, people don't want to work for 150 a day. What they tell you, I can work with that guy to sell drugs. I get 150 now in a minute's time. That is a problem here in this place. People don't understand it. It sounds like a difficult place to be a parent. It's a very difficult place yeah, to be a parent because a lot of people here has that problem here. Yeah. I mean, if you will interview some people here that's not here, they will tell you the same thing I'm telling you now. Problem with the children, pushing drugs, killing. You know, they eat months. 14 years old, they don't care shit to kill you. So you must, if you're here, you must not just mind your own business. Otherwise you get a, that is, this is this place. This is a, the most shuttest place you ever can. This is, this is what they call the underworld. We are all extension 13. Like sometimes we bra here, the shooting goes on here. You just have to go in or just duck or something. It happens here. Sometimes it goes crazier. The police, they come, they only come after everything is done. They don't want to come in while they're busy. Because they're afraid. They're afraid, and some of the policemen here, they they also bad, you know. They get paid by the same people. I was many years back, as you know, where I come from. I've changed over the years. I was bad, a very bad person. But I've changed over the years, I'm good. You see, I'm 50 years old today, but I'm still good. I've changed a lot, even him too. Many people, they know my history. I was very bad. I always tell them they can talk about it. It doesn't make me feel bad anymore. Or other people mustn't look at me as a bad person. I always try to help people. You can ask him. I have a good heart to help anybody who I can. And I think that's a little bit of the the struggle that Ontario is going through and the reason for why I'm here. Like how once you have done something, you're labeled as that and you want to change, but... There's a lot of resistance to that. A lot of resistance. The reason sometimes 
Sometimes you sit still, you drink, you, have, you, have, you may have problems at your home or so. Sometimes it drives you, yeah, mustn't I do that again? Can't I go back? Because it's in your blood. You know, once you've killed somebody, you don't mind to kill again. Sometimes it comes into your veins, you want to do it, but then you think, ah, I have a couple of kids. Um, that's wrong to do that. If you do that, what's going to happen? Oh, you're going to sit. You're already that age. You're going to go to jail, you're going to die there. You, you won't survive in jail now. The jails is here. Oh, you won't survive, sir. It's impossible, the jails here. They kill you inside. You will never survive. Some of these guys just want to kill, to go in jail. These youngsters, they survive in there. They push drugs inside, they can do anything. They come out, they go back. One week out, they go back again. And some people here, even mothers and fathers, some of them like it like it. The child do that shit because they feel good, you know? But they don't know. If their child killed the neighbor next door's child, then they start to worry because now that people repent onto them, kill one of their daughters or sons. That's what happens here. People take revenge over, over stupidity. Son goes to jail. You leave him there because he do the mistake, not you, whose parents is. Because you teach him the right way. If he do his mistake, he must stay into his mistakes. Because we are big guys, we come from there. That's why we are, as you see now, we are good guys. Because we know what we're talking about. That's what we are. I understand now what you mean by the most important thing is to get a job. To get a job, yeah. But um, have you guys heard um, Anterio's uh, poems? No, no, he's a good guy with it. And he talk to people about it. Um, do you have any licks for us now? No, I can do something for you guys. I know there's no problem with me. So it goes like this. The past alone can tell about the yell I've been through. I've been through the downs of life. I'm still waiting on the ups. Will this ever end, I ask myself. Will this never ever, ever never stop? The hopeless explanations, all the discrimination has resulted in incarceration of a whole motherfucking nation. And so the wind causing a variation of the new generation. What is this, the solution to the pollution? The reality of criminality? The instability that has been found in our government's crooked abilities? The refusal to the disposal of the corrupt elements within the environment has given birth to the upheaval of evil, the reincarnation of an alien nation as it festered its fear within every creation. Robbery, murder, rape, bestiality. Should I stop? I'm sorry, Your Honor, I plead insanity. The peace you enjoy now will make its exodus, you treacherous people. Do you really think you're fooling me? You heard about Harry Houdini. That little prince has got nothing on me. They say money is the root of all evil. I say that's bullshit. You clearly don't know me. I am the thief that creeps in the night. Bitch, you think I'm afraid of AIDS? I'll fucking rape you, then I'll take you sour and everything will be all right. Yeah. I've done it all and you better believe there's more to come. In a hundred years from now. No wait, let me rephrase that hundred. In a thousand years from now, people will still fear me. All men, they would want to be me. All the bitches, they will have wet dreams about me. Go and look in a dictionary. You will not find the word nightmare there. Because that little kitty's dream has been replaced by me. On and on and on I go. There's no stopping me. I'm on a flow. Out.
Uh, was there some some place you wanted to show me? Yeah, there was some place I wanted to show you. So um, we'll see you guys later, man. And thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. This house is yeah, next to the window. That's actually where my ex-girlfriend lived. Yeah, ex-girlfriend. Actually, I caught her on Thursday night in another guy's arms, and that was the end of me, you know. Because that was like, you know, if it was at any other time, if it was in the past, the person that I used to be, can you go right here? Any time in the past, the person that I used to be, she would have been dead and buried already. But because I am the person that I am now, I, I need to change, I owe it to my community. Left to right? L left, we can go left again, yes. In the stands, we're going over the speed bump, one, two, three. So we can take the uh, left here lines. And after that, another immediate lift again. Yeah, you can stop here. Yeah, this is where my son was used to live. We have a struggle with our relationship as father and son, you understand? Because since he's going to school, since his first year in school, I've always been in prison in the sense of I was never there for him as a father. And for me also, it's difficult for me. I know I am a father, but the concept of how to be a father, that's kind of a concept that I still need to learn. And it goes, I don't really know how to be a father. I've never been a father in my life. I never had anyone, to understand, who was a father to me. But my own father, to do what he did to me, what I'm doing to my son now, I don't know how to be a father, to understand. I don't know how to act when I'm with him. I don't know how to talk to him. I have a lot to make up for, understand? And I don't want to come to him as this person who has nothing whatsoever. I want to give him the world, understand? So I need to find myself first, understand? I need to be a success. I need to change. I need to be committed to myself. Because only if I can make myself a success and I can be the father that my son needs, understand? Yeah, that's the dream, my brother. Understand? I made a promise that one day, if I have a child, I'm not gonna do to him what my father did to, did to me. But now, actually, my father, he was gone. I only seen him when I became a teenager, understand? He was present sometimes, but now we walk by each other each and every day, and I do not even have a word to say to him whatsoever. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what you're saying, Antario, is that, is that you see your son every day, but you don't know what to say to him? Exactly. I'm ashamed, understandable. Do you just walk past him then? We walk past each other, but we acknowledge each other. Friends who know each other, not like a father and a son. It's just like, oh, I know large, I large, and there I go. Understand? Like, no father, son talk, or nothing like that whatsoever. And it's just that I, I want to do this right, man. I want to be sure. I, I don't want to fail him again, you understand? I need to be sure, because I don't want to go to him. I'd make this promise, make this promise, make this promise, you understand it? That's just like that, I fail again. Understand? I know how disappointed he is in me already. Understand? So I don't want to do that to him again. Uh, that's, uh, I'm a little, that, that's strong stuff, Ontario. Yeah, my brother, it's just that um, I, have, I have fucked up, you know, I totally 
fucked up. I have everything in mind. I wasn't stupid in school. I got everything from my family. When I grew up, even without the father element in my life, I had everything. I could just ask, I could just open my mouth, and they will be just like that. You understand? So it's, it's, it breaks my heart, man. You understand that? I did to my son what my father actually did to me. Uh, when you walk past your son, what do you feel then? I feel like, yeah, God has given me this gift. Look at him. I mean, like, um, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a fool, man. I'm, how could I not acknowledge? How could I not give my everything to this guy standing there? And what inspires me about him, irrespective of our non-existent relationship, irrespective of the fact that he lost his mother a couple of years ago, he's still going strong and screw. His grades never drops. His grades always improves. Understand? It's the person that I used to be in school. Because I was like that. I wasn't a stupid person in school. Always first in class, second in class, excelled in everything. And that's what I see in him now. Understand? So so I'm proud of him. Understand? For what he achieved and what he's still going to achieve, irrespective of the fact that I was never there for him. I'm proud of what my son is and what he's going to become. Because I know he's going to become something big. Yeah. And um, a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys that we just met at the Bry, they talked about changing, that they have been something and now they're a good person and it was important for them to be seen as what they are now. That reminds me uh, quite a bit about your story. Yeah, I see like the one that I shot to talk to, he was in prison also. And as he explained to you about his son who's been in prison also, understand? And Uncle Hoppy, the bigger guy, he was in prison also. Like I said, people have a certain perception of someone who's been in prison. To them, people who's been in prison, they're incapable of change. It's impossible for a person who's been in prison to change. According to their mindset, according to their belief, it's important. The people, that they cannot change. Once a convict, you will remain a convict for the rest of your life. So as they just said, they are grown-up guys, but still they find it difficult to be accepted by our community. And they are grown-up already, more than 20, 30 years older than I am, but still they find it difficult too. The older man around the Bry who has been to prison are now trying to keep their sons from heading down the same road. Bawe, on his hand, needs to find himself again, so he doesn't make promises he can't keep to his son. It's like all these stories of all the men in the neighborhood are basically told in the same voice. They're all unique, but if you add them up, you can hear the echo of the neighborhood. But why did Bowie end up back in prison again? Let me just play you one last interview first. This is us talking about being high up in the gang inside prison and making it back to society when on the outside. So eight stars, high-ranking, people would respect your order, you were good at your job, and now you're on the outside. How, how do you make it back to society again then? I take it step by step, understand? I take it easy, one day at a time. 
and like I explained to you the last time, I actually wanted to give up on this program with Inga and all the people, but Inga was very persistent because they saw the potential that I had. And as I said the last time, like in, I wanted to see, I wanted to get to know what is this that these people are seeing in me. Because like in, they, they could use their time more accordingly. They could have done much better things and always say stuff to me, always please call me, always on Facebook with me, always calling me, how are you doing in zero? We have this program, we have this class and this class and this Always, they never gave up, in the sense. So I want to see, man, what is this that they are seeing, in the sense. They see the real me, a person that I have forgotten a long time ago. We've, we've been, you've showed me your neighborhood now. And people have told me how easy it is to stare off the road here. And you have come out of prison. Uh, and it's hard for you to get a job. You have a strong mother. And you have Inga, and you're writing poetry. But still, that is something to hold on to, but it's still thin threads, right? Yeah, it's still thin threads, you understand, but at the end of the day, it's totally up to me. Even if my mother won't there, even if Inga won't there, even if the poetry won't there, that still doesn't give me a reason to fall back. Because I've experienced it, I've been in prison, I know how it is, you understand? So, so to want to go back into the life of crime and go back to prison, that's just going to be like in totally foolish, irrespective of what I'm doing now, the support that I have now, whatsoever. even without it, understand? I need to create things for myself, I need to make things happen for myself, understand? That's the thing. Do you know how to do that? To tell you the truth, it's still a bit difficult, but I'm still finding myself and I'm not gonna give up, man. I know myself, as I said, I'm not a stupid person. Bowie is not a stupid person. So, why did he end up back in prison then? The complicated answer is what you just listened to. Because Bowie's story is also the story of a neighborhood. A neighborhood that produces young men like Bowie every day. A forgotten place where jobs are scarce, the police are afraid of leaving their cars and people who share a bear over a bry are surprised to see a journalist that wants to talk to them about something else than the last gang-affiliated murder. The easy answer is that right now he's in a low security prison for breaking his parole. Why would he do that? I'm not sure. I've been trying to get to him for two months, unsuccessfully. But I know one thing. Bowie did struggle with logistics, finding his way around and when to be at a certain place, like you need to when meeting your parole officer. Struggling with time and space is not unlike many other poets I know. Or maybe it just got to him. The inner voice that told him the same thing as the people he passes in the neighborhood that he can't change. And he gave up and just leaned into it. What he's doing to survive in prison, I don't know. I just hope that he has a quiet corner in his cell, a pen and some paper. After all, his poetry sounds like a primal scream from his neighborhood.
blood. Okay. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm Lars. What's your name? Oh, okay. He's the one who sang happy birthday to me. Oh. You sang happy birthday to Ontario? Yes. How was his face after you sang happy birthday to him? Smile. What do you want to be when you're grown up? Mm. A firefighter. <laughs> well, those are heroes, you know. Save people. Yeah, I think they only do good. But you have to be very brave and very strong, I think. Yes. Do you think you can do that? Yes. I think so too. It's nice. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to a Sound Africa podcast. If you like this episode, share it with the people you like. This episode was produced and edited by Lars Overland with help from Neo Rakajani and Rasmus Bits. Sound Africa podcasts are made with the support of Open Society and Hindenburg Systems. The Mail and Guardian is our media partner for the Revisits series. My name is Neo Rakajai.
for he refused.